go. Hi, everybody. So this is really exciting. In honor of Studio Ghibli Fest, uh, we are here to talk about Kiki's Delivery Service. This is the second in the six films uh, that are featured in uh, the Studio Ghibli Fest. And my normal uh, co-host for this uh, couldn't make it because he's sick, uh, Stanford Clark. But my friend, Mike, uh, from... Uh, uh, from across the across the pond, uh, agreed to step mm -hmm. in and talk about this great movie uh, with us. So, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, there's not a lot to say. Like like uh, Rachel <laughs> said, uh, I'm from across the pond, from Ireland specifically. So uh, it's a bit smaller than America for all you <laughs> Yanks in the crowd. Any uh, other than that, uh, I'm a huge an uh, animation person. I uh, run my own small YouTube channel. It's it's not that big so far. It's just a hobby, you know. I'm young and all. But as regards Studio Ghibli, uh, yeah, I uh, I love their work. I'm not the biggest anime fan. A lot of it is a bit too, uh, what's the word? It 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 doesn't uh, uh, immoral. Not immoral, but it you know, ultra-violent or ultra-sexual or whatever. So oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of anime can be like that to me. I mean, I try to keep it in mind, but obviously Ghibli's works are, with a few exceptions, they're all just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see what you're saying. I, I've never gotten into particularly the television anime, television, mm -hmm. the like the series, something like Digimon or, or uh, stuff like that. I, I want to, because uh, I feel like that's something I need to sort of check off my list. But, uh, but as far as movies... Uh, the the Ghibli are are, mm -hmm. are top notch, yeah. <laughs> top notch. And so back here in the states, we're doing this Studio Ghibli Fest, and uh, they had uh, my neighbor Totoro last uh, month, which was a delight, and uh, it it was just so fun to see it on the big screen, uh, more than I even expected. There's just something about that experience that was really really neat, and. Uh, and and then this month there's Kiki, and what's been really cool is that my friend Phaedra has never seen any of these uh, these films before, and she's joining me. And so to see her reaction has been kind of the most fun part of it. To look over and be like, you just see how excited she is and everything like that. It's it's really fun to see, and uh, and to hear sort of the kids and the crowd like getting so excited and really enjoying it is uh, is really cool it's cool to see uh here's a good question like of the two screens you've been to so far what's the audience share like in terms of how many adults kids all that um, other... there were i got to kiki's kind of late so i didn't have a chance to sort of look at the audience as much but mm -hmm. it seemed like totoro had more kids um uh, which kind of makes sense because <laughs> Uh, Totoro is so kid friendly, you know, kid friendly and <laughs> and everything. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, I would say it's probably like for Totoro, it was probably sixty forty, mm -hmm. and maybe for Kiki, it was maybe like forty sixty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so quite a few kids and and they're enjoying it. So and I went to I pro there were probably even more kids at the at the um, dub. I went to the sub. Oh, oh, so each film has both dub and sub screenings. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So the 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 dub screenings are on Sunday night. The sub screenings mm -hmm. are on Monday. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. To uh, to be fair, I mean, I, uh, 
I mean, if you're a kid and you're watching animation, you're going to want to see it in your native language. That's just fair yeah. enough. Well, especially yeah. pre-reading kids, you know. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Well, fun, funny you should bring up the dub and sub. I'd seen Kiki's uh, Kiki a few times before, but in preparation for this, uh, it was the first time I'd watched the sub of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, what do you think yeah. of it? The, the uh, yeah. comparison. Yeah. Well, I hadn't seen, haven't seen the dub in a few years. I mean, script-wise, script-wise, there's barely any, there is there is very few changes. Acting, obviously, there you can spy a couple here and there, particularly in uh, the cat of Gigi. But yeah. as always, really, it's just the minor things. So it's like all Ghibli dubs. The the original is probably better, but it's so minuscule that uh, I could watch either. Yeah, agreed. I I prefer the the sub uh, always, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if, mm-hmm. if they do get especially the ones that were uh, managed by Disney and John Lasseter, those mm-hmm. are very good uh, uh, dubs. So, and it is kind of cool to hear Phil Hartman <laughs> as a uh, Gigi. That's sort of cool <laughs> in the because you know he's yeah. such an iconic. Uh, just I love hearing his voice, and so yeah, it's it's a really good dub. Very, very yeah. good dub. Some people even prefer the dub uh, mm-hmm. in that case, in that particular well, case. Well, they might have grown up with it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. What are the other four films in the this Ghibli marathon? Um, they have Castle in the Sky next month. And mm-hmm. then uh, there's Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. And then Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. And Howl's. Yeah, oh. Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, it's Princess Mononoke one. isn't in there? Huh. Yeah, I was really surprised that they picked that that they picked Castle over Princess Mononoke, and I was really kind of disappointed that they don't have any Takahata. That it's all Miyazaki. Miyazaki, hmm. like that might have been cool to throw one of the Takahata films in there. Um, yeah, like uh, the uh, Only Yesterday or something like that. You know, just to kind of because mm-hmm. they're yeah. both so good. I can understand why they wouldn't want Grave of the Fireflies because he's such a downer. But uh, oh. uh, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It, w- it just it would have been nice if they had done that or, or uh, the um, Tale of Princess Kaguya. But his only yesterday is probably his most approachable movie, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, probably is. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess na- my neighbors, the Yamadas, would be the most, but that one's not uh, hasn't gotten a U.S. release yet, so that wouldn't happen. Oh yeah, uh, I think that now with um, G Kids purchasing or whatever, I don't know. They got the distribution rights now at G Kids mm-hmm. over here to Studio Ghibli, and so I think that they will be doing a release of My Neighbor the Yamadas probably next year. Is my guess. Oh yeah, didn't so. they? Do, didn't they do a dub of Only Yesterday just like last year? Or yeah, yeah, just last year. It, it starred Daisy Ridley from Star Wars, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I haven't seen that dub, but it's good. I I really enjoyed the movie, particularly the uh, the, the kid parts. The adult mm-hmm. parts are a little preachy to me, but the you know with the environmentalist, which is a good message, but I just I don't know, mm-hmm. it's just a little heavy handed. But the uh, I, the kid parts are just adorable. So, <laughs> so good. God, they are. <laughs> so well let's talk about so what did you think about kiki on the rewatch what was your overall thoughts yeah well uh let's see it's not miyazaki's best film uh uh obviously it's uh, uh i think an important point to bring up actually is that uh this is the first film uh 
Ghibli film of his that like he didn't concoct from the beginning. Others were making it and it was in trouble. And then he basically stepped in. So okay. it wasn't as personal a project to him as something like Totoro was, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, so if I say that uh, uh, as a result, it doesn't feel as heartfelt as some of his other things, that's only a very minor criticism because it's still uh, a very uh, slow-paced uh, film that... But there's not, it's weird, there's not a lot of happiness in it, but it's still a very delightful film at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because I, the, the, I didn't know that about him not being involved from the beginning because to me, it checks a lot of Miyazaki boxes, this movie. Yes. Like, oh, well, when I say he wasn't involved from the beginning, I just mean as, like, as, as the director. He was still shepherding the production from the sides oh, and all. Oh, okay, okay. See, many times throughout Ghibli's history, they try and... Uh, pick a project to shepherd new talent up to the directing uh, position. And, um, mm. and almost every time it doesn't go the way it wants, it's supposed to. And Miyazaki steps in to direct it. The same thing happened with Hal's Moving Castle. Yeah, I didn't know that about Hal. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, too bad. Uh, yeah, the, uh, it just, it, if you were going to say that there are Miyazaki tropes, this one has all of them. It's got mm-hmm. the talking mm-hmm. animals. It's got the, uh, uh, it's got the, uh, the, flying. Young, the flying, the flying, the European city, mm-hmm. uh, kind of locale. It's got the uh, young girl uh, who experiences some kind of mental health, kind of just sort of depressed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> those kind of things. But I, uh, I I really enjoyed it very much. I I I actually did a podcast last year with mm-hmm. my uh, friend uh, Durbin over at uh, Durbania, and it was it was a different kind of podcast than this one because he he had never seen any Studio Ghibli films at all, so it was more of like an introduction to him. Okay. And I do think that this film is a great film to introduce people to Studio Ghibli because it's just mm-hmm. it's it's very digestible. It's not as like insane as like uh, spirited away or mm-hmm. uh mononoke yeah mononoke or and it's certainly not as emotionally challenging as like a grave of the fireflies or something like mm-hmm. that and so i feel like this or totoro are the or ponyo i feel like those are the three that are the yeah. the best sort of introductions to yeah. miyazaki Funny you mentioned uh, Kiki being one of the better introductions to Miyazaki. Uh, something I read when I was researching this was that this was the first Ghibli film to make a profit in theaters. The previous ones uh, only made a profit after home video. Interesting. Because, yeah, this yeah. came out in 1989. Mm-hmm. So this was very early on yeah. in, in, uh, in Ghibli when it, when it first came out in, in Japan. And... Uh, it's an interesting movie because it really doesn't have a whole lot of plot. It's so people that are, are sort of need a lot of plot in their movies might think it's Mm -hmm. boring, but uh, it's, it's just sort of following this character (laughs) in her life. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times uh, when someone watches their first Ghibli film, uh, their reactions are basically, I didn't know animation could do this. They, they, uh, they didn't do all of the misconce- the tropes that Disney uh, did. They didn't have it fast-paced or hectic or anything. Well, yeah. I say Disney, I mean American animation as a whole, of course. Right, right, but, right. And there's so, so many people that watch it that don't like animation much except to, you know, entertain their kids that love Ghibli films. It's, uh, it's just amazing. 
Like it's because they yeah. treat the audience with respect. They're they're like the family films of old, you know, mm-hmm. when everyone put their all into it. Yeah, well, and there's an emotional honesty to this movie and to, to all of to all of the uh, Miyazaki and Takahata movies that mm-hmm. that yeah they might just be a simple story but there's an emotional core there's a uh, and they they manage to control tone I think really well too where and it's just such a joyful experience to watch them <laughs> to me and yeah yeah of course so I really really enjoyed watching it maybe even more so than watching it at home uh, when I <laughs> done the the podcast last year. Because uh, I think I gave it like a B plus last year, uh, and I don't know. I, I just I was so happy after I watched it. <laughs> it really made me happy, and so I don't know. It's an interesting thing. But uh, what do you think of the whole sort of concept of the of the? You have this thirteen year old girl who it has to go, and it's the witch's uh, code or whatever. That mm-hmm. when you're when you're thirteen. Uh, or around that age, you set off on your own and find your own town and your own, you make your way uh, on your own. What do you think about that whole sort of conceit? Well, the, the whole witch concept is very interesting because it doesn't tell us uh, everything to do with it right away. It tells us a bit. And then as the film progresses, we sort of get everything else piecemeal. But there isn't that much about the, the uh about the witches uh, that's that's told to us a lot of it's kind of left to our imagination and i think that's actually a strength because it's it's not about the witch about the witchcraft or her magical abilities which is really just the ability to fly but it's more about uh what arc that lets her go through uh, which is the arc of uh any young teenager uh, or adult but just filter through miyazaki's lens so yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it, defi- it uh, definitely works really well because it allows for tons of great points that would be denied if the film were more realistic. I mean, uh, she has a cast that talks to her, so she she always has someone to bounce off of uh, rather than being alone for large stretches. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so that's one thing, and uh, we'll get back to the cat later. But uh, he <laughs> sort of balances a point where he's both uh, humor humorous and joyful but then later on he actually becomes a pivotal plot point by something that happens to him kind Mm -hmm. of right 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 but we'll get back to that well i really like it because i think that it it makes it a very unusual coming of age story i was Mm -hmm. somebody who was very independent as a kid and as a teen and Mm -hmm. i even when i was like a toddler I, i wanted to do things on my own I wanted to do things my way. Like my mom says that I was ready to move out of the house. Like the day I was born, like I was just very independent. So, <laughs> so the idea of Kiki, like at 13, being allowed to sort of go out and figure things out. And, and I, I just, I like that it's because the typical coming of age story is sort of the rebellion against the authority figure, the rebellion. Yeah. Against, and that's not what you get here. This is a character who the, the sort of the rebellion is against like, sadness and Mm -hmm. like mental health kind of in a way like of course it's just so it just makes it really refreshing i think Mm -hmm. you know that you have this character that's just taking on the world but she makes mistakes and uh and you know she's she has all these insecurities and just makes it feel very authentic so yeah i really like the setup i think it's very unusual and unique and of course, she uh, so she goes out on uh, on her own, uh, and she meets uh, this woman who is a baker who agrees to sort of let her 
the uh, let her have a, ha- a room in her house and mm-hmm. and to do deliveries uh, on her broom. And uh, things are going pretty pretty well for a while uh, for a while, and they're feeling pretty good. And she meets this uh, other boy named Tombo. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> what do you think of Tombo? It was interesting because uh, in in his first scene where uh, he comes up to Kiki after he distracted a police officer, at first I thought uh, the film was po- going to be posing him as some kind of uh, f- uh, you know foil, someone who would uh, show up every often and annoy Kiki, but not otherwise be uh, of much use to the plot. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is a Miyazaki film. He wouldn't do something like that. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and and after this, the scene later, uh, where at first he just kind of keeps coming along, and it seems like he's pestering her, but then we kind of realize that uh, he's ac- he's actually being gentle and f- gentle and fair, but uh, Kiki isn't being you know unfair either. She's just uh, trying to absorb all that's happened to her, which is why she's so resistant to him for a while. Yeah. Well, and I he's a necessary tool. Like you could say that sort of. He's there to be rescued. You can kind of see that coming. Uh, and mm-hmm. so he sort of works. He's a, he's a helpful tool within the plot. But mm-hmm. I also think like sort of his unawareness of, of his friends and the way that that impacts Kiki, I think is very important to the story. Oh, yeah. Like it, there's such a contrast in that, in that particular scene because after they crash, but they're okay, Kiki is uh, laughing her gut out. She's so happy. And then the friends show up uh, and are like, hey, come with us to the blimp or dridgeable or whatever. And, and she just goes from a happiest t- day of her life to uh, really reserved and quiet and, and somber. And after she leaves, she starts losing her magic and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I really related to that. I mean, I think that most people can in you know, that that feeling when you're when you're that age of mm-hmm. just. I mean, I was bullied as a kid, uh, and uh, and so certainly I can relate to it. But I think anybody can of just like that uh, frustration of of social inter- interactions when you're that age. You know, are just so like it's just so overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. And it can be so deflating. Just the littlest thing can can really upset you, and can uh, and I don't yeah. know. I I love the fact. To me, one of the great things about uh, Studio Ghibli films is that mm-hmm. they treat children as like real people, not as mm-hmm. they don't patronize to children at all. Like they. No. It, yeah, they treat it's sort of like I think Pete Doctor films do the same thing, you know, with Pixar. You know, the, yeah, they, t- they treat them as authentic characters who can have thoughts and experiences, and and uh, and not not as oh whoa, look or or I, I feel yeah. like a lot of times the attitude with teenagers is very like oh teenagers are so dumb, you know, kind of an attitude that you see, <laughs> and. I, I feel like with Miyazaki, he yeah. really respects, that's the word, he really respects mm-hmm. adolescents. And yeah. so, and what they're going through yeah. and what they experience. Yeah. 
I, I mean, to sort of break that down, I mean, there's, there's basically sort of two ways to treat an audience of children in a film. There's the good way we were just talking about where you treat your audience with, with respect and meet the children on our level, on their level, I mean, and yeah. you do it well enough that it appeals to adults like Ghibli films and, li- and like Pete Doctor films like Monsters, Inc. and others there mm-hmm. uh, by, by being on the level of children so well, uh, they speak to uh to adults, not just the child part of adults, though that too, but to uh, a- uh, actual adults, and it's great. But then obviously a lot of family cinema just sort of thinks kids have really short attention spans and just, just things happen, things happen, things happen all over yeah, the place. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise they'll change the channel or say, mommy, I don't want to watch the film. Can we go outside? Or whatever. Yeah, like your minions approach of just kind of... Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Uh, I agree. This is just, this is definitely like slower and more thoughtful and, but it's still cute. It's still got that like kid appeal and, and I, kids love this movie. Kids mm-hmm. love this. It's sort of like, it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting to me because uh, in my experience, uh, there a lot of movies that adults think are boring. Kids mm-hmm. love, like I have seen yeah. so many times kids love Wally. <laughs> and I've I've met a number of adults oh, yeah. who are like, oh, it's boring. But I, I swear I've never watched it with a kid that wasn't like completely uh, engaged with it. Uh, and yeah. and it, it makes sense when you think about it because I remember my sister when she was like, I don't know, four, three, four, uh, she had a, a tape of just barnyard animals. That's it. There was no plot. There's no story. Like it was just watching up animals and uh, she was delighted. I remember my brother had a similar one was just like construction crew. It was just like trucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He loved it. It was great. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think that (laughs) we we sometimes forget. We forget that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, it's only it's only kind of related, but you actually reminded me of something on that topic that I think is interesting. Uh, a couple of a couple of months ago, uh, we had some uh, the children of a friend over uh, uh, at our house, and we were choosing a movie to watch to entertain them. And I think I was suggesting either Lilo and Stitch or The Iron Giant, right? And, yeah. Uh, but, but my brother was like. Uh, but the, for some reason, the kids gravitated towards our box of The Great Escape. And I, uh, and I didn't think they would like it because it was such a long film. But uh, they, they were fixed to the screen the whole time. So I, so I definitely think it's uh, wrong to assume that kids won't watch longer or more slow-paced stuff, you know? Yeah, it's all about how well, it's, how, how well it's executed. Yeah, agreed. And yeah. it depends on the kid. Mm-hmm. Every kid are, are a little different, yeah. too. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, I just love the, like I said, I love the fact that I feel like Miyazaki really respects his audience and he, he mm-hmm. makes something special for them. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, what do you think of Ursula, the painter and her, their relationship? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, that's interesting. Cause well, uh, I might tell the uh, viewers, uh, what happens with on um, one of Kiki's first delivery? She loses a stuffed cat toy uh, in the forest, and in order to not be late, she has her cat pretend to be a cat toy and pose at the house for a while. So then she can go find a stuffed cat, and she finds it in this uh, cabin in the forest where there's this eighteen-ish uh, uh, year old woman who just mm-hmm. uh, paints. And uh, it took me a while to realize it, but it actually becomes clear that. 
this character, this painter, Ursula, she's supposed to represent uh, a more, an older, more experienced Kiki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Interesting, uh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but what, what draws that connection even further in the Japanese, they're actually voiced by the same actress. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. But, and it, it becomes very pivotal later because when uh, Kiki loses her powers and, and she spends a night with Ursula, uh, Ursula compares it to when she's going through art, artist block and sometimes uh, if you can't get back on track with whatever it is, you just need to take some distance, go do, uh, go do other things. And then when you return, you may find that you can potentially deal with the problem. If you can't deal with a problem, get some distance and come back to it, basically. And mm-hmm. it's so true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I like, too, that like their friendship is very authentic. I've used that word like a million times. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I think that uh, one of the things that can be problematic for kids is that they spend all, all day with kids their own age. And mm-hmm. uh, when it's a good experience for, for kids to, to have a all different ages, you know, whether it's an old yes. woman, whether it's a, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, uh, you know, somebody their yeah. mother's age or somebody that's a young adult or whatever, uh, that to, to be able to talk and relate and yeah. everything like that. And I think that all is part of the reason why you wanted, we wanted it to start in this really independent way mm-hmm. is that it allowed, mm-hmm. it kind of gave Kiki that freedom of, of not having like school yeah. and not having the typical sort of things of that age. And uh, so I really like their friendship a lot. I think it's very well mm-hmm. done. And, and I do really like the, the sort of the comparisons between art and magic. Uh, yeah. Really, really good. Yep. Um, uh, you, you kind of just made me realize something, which is that of all the kind of recurring cat characters that appear more than once that Kiki meets ju- uh, during her journey during the film, they all kind of belong to different age age brackets. The only yeah. one that's uh, a kid like her is Tombo. Then we have Ursula, who's a young adult. Then there's the uh, then there's the baker, who's uh, I mean I couldn't guess for certain, but I guess somewhere in her tw- late twenties, early thirties. And then you have the uh, older woman that she visits once or twice as well. Yeah. So she. So she kind of interacts with all different kinds of age range, all kinds of uh, levels of experience, as it were. Mm-hmm. And now that I think about it, that probably contributes to her development a little. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Well, they're the ones that are able to kind of reassure her mm-hmm. when it's the ones that are her own age that are the ones mm-hmm. that make her depressed. <laughs> this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I think uh, a kid needs lots of adults in, the, in their lives, <laughs> to sum it up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do. I, I like that relationship she has with those old women. I think that mm-hmm. another thing that Miyazaki is not patronizing to, uh, I love the, the older characters in his mm-hmm. movies, you know, I guess with exception of maybe you do have one evil old woman in Spirited Away, but for the most part, they're really wonderful, uh, wonderful characters. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But that certainly works in that film. Yeah. <laughs> Spirited Away is an interesting comparison because, I mean, both that film and Kiki have basically uh, two young female protagonists, I mean, that are roughly the same age, 11, 13, that sort of thing, and they go through not unsimilar arcs of development. I mean, the specifics are obviously different. Like, Chihiro is learning basically to be a leader and self-assertive to save her parents, whereas 
Kiki is more uh, being independent, learning to take charge of her life, but letting other people help to support you along the way. So they're different, yeah. but they're similar at the same time. Yeah, it would be really interesting to to do some kind of thesis on the young women of, of Miyazaki's movies, because also, you know, you have Sophie in Hal's movie mm-hmm. Castle, that's also an interesting character. Different She's more emotional, mm-hmm. I think, than either mm-hmm. Kiki or uh, as far as crying and things like that. Yeah. Than either of those. Uh, I don't know. It, it would be it would be interesting to kind of dive into that a little bit. Uh, but why do you think that Kiki does lose her powers and did you, what do you think of that whole journey? Uh, well, this is a tough, this is a tough thing to phrase out loud, but, uh, you know, the cat, so the cat Gigi, uh, when she starts to lose her powers, it becomes appearance, uh, appearance that she can't speak to the cat anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and at first I thought that that was uh, what part of the losing powers. And when she got her powers back, she'd be able to speak to the cat again, but she didn't. Uh, even when she got her powers back, she couldn't speak to the cat. So it's, it, it's clear that uh, uh, only, only when you still have that innocence of childhood, can you still speak to the cat? And as the film goes on, she loses that. And even though she still has a magical cat as her companion, they can't communicate in, uh, well, in English anymore or well, mm-hmm. Japanese, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as to why she loses her powers, I mean, obviously, specifically, we don't know. But I think that's kind of uh, uh, that's kind of the point that it, uh, it just relates somewhat to you know whatever uh, sa- uh, depression, for lack of a better word, she's going yeah. through. Yeah, I mean that, yeah, that's kind of one of the things. It, it's. It's not scientifically explained, but it doesn't need to be. It just needs to have thematic resonance, which it most certainly does. Right. Agreed. Yeah. So she has this negative experience with these friends of Tombo's mm-hmm. and she ends up, and then she also, they, they're really rude to her when she goes out of her way to deliver this uh, cake, I, I mm-hmm. think, or casserole. I can't remember. But anyway, and, uh, and she's, she's all wet. She's, uh, and, and she gets sick. And I don't know, it's just like something inside her kind of dies and uh, she just has the, the, the hardest time sort of bringing it back again. And, and I, I think that anybody can relate to that, that sometimes something inside you just isn't right, you know, like it's just, mm-hmm. you just lost. It's like something, and I remember when I was, you uh, know, really, I was really unhappy in my work and I, I really mm-hmm. hated my boss. I hated my job. And I was just so miserable. And I, I remember my mom saying, like, you faced way harder trials than this. Like, I've had, you know, health trials. I've had different trials. She's like, why is this so hard? And it was just like, I just said, it feels like there's this black cloud over my life. And it can, I can't do anything to make it go away. Like, whenever I had anything else bad happen, there was always sort of like, I could see, you know, as soon as my knee heals soon as whatever happens like I can mm-hmm. see sort of the end but when you're in this kind of depression yeah. it's just like it feels like this loop that you just can't get out of sometimes and I, mm-hmm. I that's why it just feels so authentic and so real and emotionally true uh, that uh, that she and it's, it's sort yeah. of symbolized by the fact that she loses her magic but she just gets in this funk I guess you might call it and that's why it's so nice when she has this moment with Ursula where they talk about how both of them have experienced this and how, and, mm-hmm. and that can be so like, so 
moving when somebody, instead of just saying like, why don't you feel better? Or why don't, when you hear somebody be like, yeah, I've been through a similar experience and I have empathy for you. And here's my experience that that can be mm-hmm. so much more helpful than like someone trying to give advice, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess all I can really say on that is some filmmakers just know how to, uh, you know, do plot points and thematic arcs in such a way that they reign very true. And Miyazaki is one of them. Like he can't, Miyazaki can't do stuff without full commitment and sincerity. And that just makes his films so powerful. And that's certainly one of the reasons why they have such resonance with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So what do you think of the animation uh, and some of the other technical, uh, what, uh, what stands out to you? Oh, huh. uh, it's interesting. Well, if we compare it to some of the other Ghibli films for around the time, it, it's a little more, co- it's a little more, to use an unscientific term, cartoony than the others. I mean, to look at your t-shirt, we have this cat with this uh, big white eye, uh, these big white eyes. So he's certainly very uh, anime cartoony. <laughs> Uh, I don't, nothing is as uh, over-exaggerated as he is, but it's still uh, not as realistic as some of Miyazaki's other films. I mean, it still has all the usual uh, depth, to, depth to detail and movement and, and pausing and all that. But I think the fact that it's a cartoon definitely helps it because, uh, well, when I say a cartoon, I mean within reason, of course. Uh, right, right. It helps it because some of the best... Uh, joyful moments in that whenever we're flying you know I mean that w- may, might not feel as magical as uh, if it weren't for you know the cartoony look and well again within reason of course I mean not saying it's as cartoony as a television anime for of course it isn't but uh, I think uh, the specifics of the look tie into the, uh, the themes of the film because I think at the end uh, Kiki's essentially realized in a matter of speaking, that you know that this uh, uh, more optimistic, young, innocent view of life she had before she set out—it's it, not—it's not going to come back. She knows that uh, life will, life will be hard, so her her innocence will never be as full again. But that's not to say it's gone away completely. Uh, so it's basically as you grow up, uh, life can life gets harder. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we have to go through trials, but we can still have the same bright optimism that. Uh, 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 the same bright optimism that you know ma- yeah. makes our lives worth living. Just maybe not as much, but it's there. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, per- uh, why I think, do we watch uh, films as as escapism? Sure. For instance, I think that she yeah. realizes that uh, that her magic will come through uh, when mm-hmm. it, it matters, it, when it counts, mm-hmm. and that I think that that means a lot. And she sort of realizes who who by the end of the movie, she really realizes kind of who loves her and who is there for her. And that's kind of what she writes to her parents at the end. And, yeah. you know, that she's happy where she's at and, and, uh, and she's found a home basically by the end of the mm-hmm. film. And, but yeah, I love the animation in this. I think it's really wonderful. You definitely get that feeling of, you know, that they do the sound design yeah. is so good. And all Studio Ghibli films, it's just amazing. I also really enjoy the music. Joe Hisashi does mm-hmm. pretty much all of Miyazaki's uh, music for mm-hmm. his movies. And I, I think it's one of the travesties that he's never been nominated for an Academy Award because I just think his scores are so great. And uh, this is uh, yeah. another great one for him. Really good. 
and charming. And it's a, uh, you just definitely get that sense of it, kind of a European city and, and the, you know, the very characters that you get a lot of expression, I think in Kiki's face uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> they make it, they make it really fun, fun to watch. And it doesn't feel like, like I love the '80s Transformers movie. I, I think it's great, mm-hmm. but you definitely feel like you're watching a movie from the '80s, and you kind of enjoy mm-hmm. it. I feel like this does not feel like it was made in 1989. It doesn't feel dated oh. to me. Uh, oh? No, no, not uh, not really. I mean, I mean personally, I think uh, almost every film to at least a minor extent, does show, if not the specific year, at least the time period it was mm-hmm. made, on, made in. Some just far less than others. And most yeah. of Ghibli, Ghibli's films d- don't show that very much at all. I mean, sometimes the specifics of the animation look will. Like, the only thing I can tell from uh, sorry, Kiki's Delivery Service is that it was obviously, you know, uh, hand-inked, not computerized. But other than that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, couldn't couldn't easily tell what year was made in even though i obviously know right right. yeah it feels very timeless i think and so uh, it's it's just really really an an enjoyable film i i'm trying to think what else did you have any what anything else you wanted to cover i feel like we covered most everything yeah uh well just a couple of random points that occurred to me during there. You you were mentioning, obviously, how great uh, the music by Joe Hisashi is, and uh, he brings wonderful music to all of Miyazaki's films. But so uh, whenever I do whenever I do watch anime films, I'm often reminded about how that they use the they use scenes with no music as a tool as a tool. Like yeah. they they don't insist on wall to wall music as much as ho- Hollywood films. There, there's one scene early on. Uh, after the baker has let her stay there, uh, she comes down and goes into the bathroom and then the baker's husband comes out and stretches and she hides from him. And then when he's gone, she dashes back up to her room as though she was afraid she was doing something she shouldn't be. And there's no music, nothing but the occasional sound effect. And it, uh, it's an odd moment because in terms of plot, it serves no purpose, but it's uh, just a little way of showing how she kind of uh, feels about this new attic situation she's being trust into and the and the, i think if there were music there it might not be as subtly effective for instance mm-hmm. uh just as a random thought yeah no i'm no, sure that's the, true. these kind yeah yeah mm-hmm. but, uh that was a very uh cute but effective moment i thought uh, other than that i th- uh, can't think of anything really i think yeah. we said most of everything yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, did you like uh, Gigi as sort of comic relief, as sort of a sidekick? Uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he worked. He worked uh, re- really well. As this, it's been a fair few years since I saw the English dub, so I can only remember generalizations about Phil Hartman's voice of him. But uh, obviously, in the in the sub, it's pretty typical uh, uh, anime cat with a really high pitched, uh, squeaky. Uh, girly voice but he's not ma- he's not making wise crack he is making wise cracks but in a kind of uh subtle way so he's certainly very cute and charming i mean uh not as cute as say uh a totoro but he's up there <laughs> yeah agreed yeah, yeah agreed so i i think it, it works and it's just kind of and like you said there's a, a actual thematic importance to the story not just a sidekick for sidekick purposes mm-hmm. 
like yeah. you often see in modern films. So yeah. So what out of like one to ten, what 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 score would you give to these delivery service? Um, let's see. Uh, I think I'd give it an eight, but a very strong eight. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, before I gave it an eight point five, mm-hmm. and that's probably pretty accurate but i just had such a pleasant experience watching it in the theater i'm, I'm feeling like oh, i should give it a nine because it was just so much fun so it's somewhere in between there uh, is yeah. uh, is my thoughts on it it's it's a really wonderful uh, little film yeah. and uh, so I, I i really enjoyed watching it and so thanks so much for joining me to talk about kiki's kiki's delivery service i really appreciate it <laughs> not at all <laughs> not at all so where can people find you uh let's see uh you can find me on both face uh, fi- my youtube channel is called cartoon karma so you can find me on youtube and on facebook under the same name and on twitter at tune karma uh yeah so that's where people can find me <laughs> awesome great yeah you should definitely <laughs> check out uh you had a recent review right of a uh, of Cars 3. Cars 3, that's what I thought. Yeah, Yeah, so you want to check that out for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can be found at Smiling LDS Girl on social media and uh, 54 Disney Reviews on my blog. I just reviewed on my blog a anime film called A Silent Voice, which was very good. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Beautiful film. And so I'll put a link down to check out that. And uh, tomorrow I will be seeing the Emoji Movie. So it's happening. And my friend Phaedra is going with me it's like, oh. it's like be more fun to see a movie like that with a friend and i'm like see i gave you kiki's delivery service on monday and now i'm giving you a movie on friday it's like all things, the whole spectrum but uh anyway so well uh-huh. at least the two of you can despair together <laughs> yeah right exactly so uh, <laughs> so that's something to look forward to it should be hopefully a lot of hopefully it'll be fun uh, i'm i'm going in trying to be as positive as possible because what's the point in seeing it if you're not gonna not gonna be positive right <laughs> not gonna go in with a positive attitude so anyway all right well thanks so much and uh, we will talk again soon okay Bye.